just something knowing that you're being recorded. Um, it takes a little while to do all of that, so we thought we'd have a little fun with it today at their expense, right? But anyway, good morning to all of you. We're so glad that you're here. We're so glad that you're a part of this service, and I believe with all of my heart, God has some amazing things for you. Uh, we're still in our sermon series called Identity, where we're looking at the book of Ephesians, where we're looking at who we are in Christ. How many know it's good to know who we are in Christ? We're looking at who we are in Christ, and you know, I was thinking this morning, I was, I'm always amazed at people who have the ability to draw, the ability to paint. Uh, I was, uh, when I was uh, a kid, I remember drawing a, uh, painting a picture of an Indian. I tell Cheryl I have Indian uh, ancestry, Indian in my blood, and I do. I'm not just saying that, but I said this was uh, kind of my greatest attempt to try to capture my Indian ancestry with this painting. Um, I gave it to my dad after I painted it. It was, I think I painted it when I was in junior high. I gave it to dad. He actually, as a dad does, hung it on his wall for several years. Um, and then he gave it back to me before he passed away. And I told Cheryl when I got it back, I said, Cheryl, you know, I think that looked really good on our fireplace mantle. I really do. And she informed me, and she loved it so much, she thought, no, it'll look better in our basement closet, amen? And she said, if it does happen to turn up hanging around here, it won't last around here very long, amen? So anyway, I brought the picture today just to share with you a um, picture of my engine when I was in junior high. Yeah. I mean, you know it's a masterpiece, right? I mean, how could she not love this thing? Let me just be real honest. Okay, at least you can tell it's an Indian, right? Right, mission accomplished. That's all I was out to do was to paint a picture of an Indian. It's not the greatest, never was. My dad thought it was. I love that about parents. They'll put whatever on the wall, amen? Well, how many of you have ever seen a police artist sketch? Anybody ever seen some crazy police artist sketch, sketches? I mean, that's a pretty amazing job. To, be, to have to draw a picture of someone that you've never seen before, just drawing a picture of what someone else describes of that person, of that perpetrator, it wouldn't be an easy job, and there's nothing funny about crime, but there is some things funny about some of the sketches. And by the way, I have some to show you this morning, actual sketches that were done by some sketch artists. This first one, though, I'll have to be uh, fair, uh, it's not the sketch artist. The actual witness uh, drew this themselves. But take a look at this first one. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. I mean, what a likeness, right? How about this second one? Looks identical, except the hat, right? This third one is kind of a cartoonish type of character, uh, a drawing of the perpetrator, the criminal, that looks pretty ridiculous. But in the end, I mean, news stations ran it on their news. They made fun of it on their news. But in the end, they actually identified the guy by this drawing. So take a look at this drawing. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of funny. But it's amazing the likeness of that situation, right? It makes me feel a whole lot better about my Indian painting, right? Well, my point today is it's not easy to describe someone. Do you know that? It's not really easy to describe someone, especially if you don't know them all that well. It's not easy to paint a picture of what somebody looks like. So in the passage today that we're going to look at, the Apostle Paul, he's making an attempt to describe the changes that take place in people's lives 
that submit and turn their lives over to Christ. He said, when you sur surrender your life over to Christ, you're going to change. You're not going to stay the same. It's a process, but you're going to change. They're going to look different. They're going to act different than they did before they made Jesus Christ Lord of their life. And so today, as we start out, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, the big question before all of us today, as I go through this message, I want you to be asking yourself this question, is Paul describing me? Is Paul describing me, and if so, or if not, what am I going to do about it? As we talked last week about the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter to the Ephesians, the Ephesian church, a church in Ephesus. But Paul spent two years teaching in a public lecture hall uh, before he wrote this letter to the Ephesians. And uh, during that time, something happened, something that I'm pretty sure he probably never forgot. It's actually recorded in Acts chapter 19. It's when Ephesus was this big center of black magic. It was this big center of witchcraft, the occult, uh, sorcery, all these things that God was 100% against and forbid. But look what it says in verse 17. It says, a solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. He's talking about the occult. He's talking about their witchcraft practice, their sorcery. And here's the event that he saw. It says in verse 19, a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books to and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. And think about this. This was way back when. The value of the books was several million dollars, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. So think about what he just said. All these people that were living in that lifestyle, doing these things, practicing witchcraft and sorcery and all these things and trying to get other people to practice them, they started following Jesus. And they not only started following Jesus, but they took an extreme action to show their loyalty to Jesus. They took all of their books worth several million dollars, it says. And I'm not talking about those kind of books that you never look at, you never want to read, uh, those kind of books that you put in a garage sale for a quarter. I'm not talking about those kind of books. These books were valuable to these people at that time. They took all of their books worth several million dollars, and they brought them out into the public, and they burned them publicly for all to see. I would imagine they were saying, you know, I don't want to sell these things on Craigslist. I don't want to put them on eBay. I don't want them out there in circulation. I don't want to store them in my closet. I don't even want to touch these things because they don't teach the way, the truth, and the life. These guys had a change of heart, a change of life. So they publicly burned not just a few books, a few of their, they burned all of their books, several million dollars worth of books to ensure that they would never, ever go back to living that same old lifestyle. Did you catch that? That's an important point, maybe the most important point of this whole message. They burned several million dollars worth of books to ensure they would never go back to that old way of life and that old way of living. Yeah, it was an extreme act of devotion. It was an extreme act of faithfulness. And with that in mind, look what Paul says in Ephesians 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. How are they confused? Well, he tells us in verse 18. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives. 
because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Those are some pretty harsh words that Paul is saying about those that are out there not living and not following Christ, that are practicing all these uh, evil things. It's a scathing review, I think, of their whole culture in that day, and some pretty serious words that Paul is just throwing out there. And you've got to keep this in mind. Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the people of God. He's writing to people who are following Jesus. He's actually saying people who love Jesus You should live and act like you love Jesus. Amen? If you say you're following Jesus, you should live and act like you're following Jesus and don't live for your culture. He's saying, basically, you've been taught different. You ought to live and act like followers of Christ. Paul is actually saying we are supposed to be new creations. Amen? He wasn't talking about people or he wasn't talking to people outside the church and say, you terrible sinners. You need to come in and become part of us and do what we're doing. We get that mixed up. Paul was actually saying people who love Jesus should act like they love Jesus, should live like they love Jesus. We're supposed to be a new creation. We're no longer who we used to be. I believe he's addressing this audience and he's saying some of us used to be Jewish. Some of us used to be Gentiles. Uh, We were many things. But Paul is using that word as a synonym, I believe, to say we used to be godless. But now we are a new kind of humanity with Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. So the gist of what Paul is saying is all those that are following Jesus, all those that are following Jesus don't look anything like they used to look. They're totally different. Amen? There's a change that takes place when you start following Jesus. How many of you have heard of Kanye West? He's been in the news quite a bit in the last several months. His supposed conversion to Christianity. I listened to an interview by a, name, a guy by the name of James Corbin who interviewed Kanye on an airplane. It's worth your time to find that interview. It's amazing. But James Corbin asked Kanye West, point blank, what do you say to those people that say your conversion is not real? What do you say to those people that say your faith is not real? What do you say to those people that say you're not any different than you ever were? This is his answer. It was simple, but I'll say profound. He says, would you agree that there is a difference between being asleep and being awake and being dead and being alive? He said, I was once dead, but now I am alive. Amen? (laughs) Hallelujah. Yes. With that said, the world without a doubt is watching Kanye West to see if his faith is really real, if his walk with Christ is really real. And with that said, do you realize the world around us is watching to see if our faith walk is really real, if it's genuine, and if it is, we ought to look a whole lot more and more like the description that Paul is giving in this text. So I would say for Christians in the world back then, when, in Paul's day, and Christians in the world right now, he's saying to all of us, don't live like your culture. Don't let it suck you into its patterns. Don't let it pull you in to its way of doing things. And Paul is about to explain why. Paul is about to explain why it's so hard to follow Jesus, but he gives us an answer of what we can do about it. Look what he says in verse 20. Paul says, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. I think right there he's kind of giving them a scathing review of the culture they're living in. But he said, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, 
He says, throw off your old nature, sinful nature, and your former way of life, which is corrupted and by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, renew your thoughts and your attitudes. He says, put on your new nature. Put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Paul is saying, you and I have something to do. We've got a job to do. He's leaving it up to us to throw off the old nature. He didn't say he's going to pull it off of us. He said, throw off the old nature and put on your new nature. I believe Paul is saying this following Jesus thing ain't easy. And it's not automatic. There's some things that you actually, that I actually have to do to see that these things take place. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in here today drive a car with an automatic transmission? Anybody? Anybody drive a car with it? Most of us here. It's the time and day and era that we live in that most of us drive an automatic transmission. How many drive the old stick shift still? Anybody stick shift drivers? I love a stick shift. I've had a few of them in my day. I love a stick shift. It makes you feel like a race car driver, right, Sam? I mean, you're going down the road, you're shifting, you're clutching. It's amazing. But I will say this, that's a full body workout, actually. But I will say this, uh, when you're going down the road clutching, you don't have a free hand. And we don't have to do that anymore because technology has surpassed that and everything is automatic now. But now you can have a free hand. You can go down the road and you can eat a McRib sandwich if you want. You're going to get it all over, but you can go down the road eating a McRib, a, a Big Mac, drink your Big Gulp. Paul's not saying that. What he is saying, following Jesus is not automatic. It's actually a little bit more complicated than that because there's a whole lot of things that you and I have to also do to make that happen. When I read Scripture, I don't know if you're like me, but I ask myself two questions as I'm reading a text. God, what are you trying to show me? God, what are you trying to tell me? And God, what should I do about it? What should I do about it? How am I to apply it to my life? How am I to respond to what you're showing me? Well, as I was studying for this message, I was asking God, God, what are you really trying to tell me in this message? What are you really trying to show me through what the Apostle Paul is trying to say? And I felt like he was giving me this visual of two different islands, one over here, one over there. And me being on this island, this island you might say was where I was born, where I grew up on, my old residence, my former life. <clears throat> what I'm saying, this was my life before Christ. And before Christ, guess who my life was all about? It was all about me. It was all about what I wanted. I made a lot of mistakes on this island. I hurt a lot of people on this island. I made my life a wreck on this island. And I'm sure we've all been on this island, so I know that most of you can relate. And I know you can relate about this, this fact, that on this island, it's a lonely place. On this island, you're never satisfied. You're thinking, there's got to be more. This is never enough. There's got to be more to life than what I'm living over here on this island. Well, the good news is God made a way through His Son, Jesus Christ, that went to the cross to die on us, for us that we could step over to a new island. His island. A new identity. A new nature. God's nature. I'm on this island now where I can wake up every morning and I can thank God for His mercies. I can thank God that I'm forgiven. I can thank God it doesn't matter how much I messed up yesterday. He gives me a new start for today. Amen? He gives me a fresh start. And every morning, He cleans the slate, clears the slate when I go to Him in prayer. 
He gives me a fresh start, a new beginning. God loves us that much to put us on this island where we belong to Him. He's given me a new identity. I don't live over there anymore. I live here. Oh, everything in this world wants to pull me back over to there, but I don't live there anymore. You don't live there anymore. If you've accepted Christ, you live over here. Does that mean I won't have problems over here on this island? No. I'm going to have just as many problems over here as I have over there, but guess what? I don't deal with them in the same way. I don't handle them in the same way because I'm not handling them on my own anymore. Hallelujah. I'm not dealing with life by myself anymore. I'm thankful to be on that island. How about you? I'm thankful that I get a new perspective, that things are so much better. How many remember, we're going to have a baptism coming up in a few weeks. How many remember when you were baptized? Wasn't that an amazing experience? I'll never forget my water baptism. I mean, you came out of that water and people in the church were cheering for you. Your church family were cheering you on. And greater news than that, the Bible tells us that all heaven is celebrating. All heaven is celebrating that you made a conversion over to Christ. But in that moment, if you're like me and probably most of us, we thought, you know, there's never going to be a day, and you were on such a high that day, there's never going to ever be a day where I'm not going to be living for God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And guess what happened? Monday. Monday came. Monday came, and all these challenges in life came and tried to pull you back to your old life. I think the problem with most of us as Christians, we have this idea that our walk with Christ is supposed to be easy. We're thinking it's supposed to be automatic. Well, if you've walked with Christ any time at all, you have found out it isn't easy and it isn't automatic. And we have another problem between this island over here where God has us now and this island over here where I used to be, there's a bridge. There's a bridge that wants to keep pulling me back over to this side day after day. I don't care who you are, you're being pulled. I don't care who you are, how close you seem to think you are with God. There are all sorts of things in our culture, all sorts of things in our lives every day. Some of those bridges are our thoughts that try to pull us back over to that side. Some are the actions that we take that pull us back over to that side. Some are the relationships that we get into that try to pull us back over to that side. Paul is saying we actually have two natures going on when you receive Christ. You have the old sinful nature over here. You have the godly new nature over here with the power of the Holy Spirit helping you to keep from going back over to the old island. But I would say that most of us, I'll say all of us, have failed at different times. And we've made the trip from the new island back to the old island. Amen? We've gone back to some old habits. We've gone back to some old ways. We've gone back to our old nature. And I would say we spend uh, way too much time going back and forth from the new to the old. There's a lot of things that pull us back to the old. One is money. The Bible says money. There's nothing evil about money, but it says it's the root of all evil. It can do some evil things or it can do some great things. But how many know money can be a real stressor in your life? It can be an absolute stressor on so many levels. And I've heard statistics say it's the number one or number two cause of broken marriages. Money. But get this, as a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't have to be that way. It can be totally different. You don't have to worry about money, especially if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We know that if we're seeking Him, trusting Him, guess what? He says, I'm going to take care of you. That isn't just Him saying that. That is a promise that He's going to take care of us. So that doesn't mean you're going to get rich. 
A lot of us think, oh, I have it made now. I've accepted Christ. I'm going to have everything I want under the sun. That doesn't mean that at all. What it does mean, you're going to have everything that you possibly could ever need. Big difference between need and want. Amen? It just means that you're going to have everything that God thinks you need. How many know we can get it wrong? We always get it wrong. It just means that you're going to have what you need and that you have a Heavenly Father that's watching over to make sure you have every provision that you need if you're walking with Him because He's watching out after you. I don't know about you, but I've walked with God long enough to say it's amazing. It gives me such a peace to know that God is my provider, to know that He's my provider, that I don't have to worry about money any, anymore because God's going to take care of it. We've had some really down times in, in years past. We've had some money struggles. And through it all, we stayed faithful. We stayed trusting to God, and He always came through. He always supplied our need. But you know what God does? And He's been generous to every one of us. I don't care where you're at on the financial scale. He's been generous to all of us, to where we can take that worry and not worry about it anymore. We can take that blessing and all of a sudden start being generous to other people. Start actually helping other people. God's been so generous to us in so many ways that He wants us to turn around and start being generous to show His love to the world around us. Gives you a whole new perspective. Amen? It's amazing how that works. Some of you are on the uh, comparison bridge. That everything you see in the world, you're comparing yourself to. I'll just call it a comparison trap, okay? Because it's a trap. It's a comparison trap that keeps trying to pull you back. You're comparing all these posts. People get up and they post their best life ever. Have you found that out? They're putting their best foot forward. They're putting all these filters on the, on the cameras and all of that. And you're not really getting a true picture of what's going on. But if you start looking at their life, you're thinking, wow, their marriage is a whole lot better than ours. Wow, their life is a whole lot better than mine. My life is just seems like garbage. Man, their kids are better behaved than our kids. You know what they're actually doing? Maybe, probably some of us are guilty of it. They're showing the world the highlight reel. They're showing the highlights. Not the lowlights, but the highlights. I remember several years ago, uh, my wife took Austin and his cousin Chad, when they were little guys, took them to the punk pumpkin patch, and Cheryl, my wife, posted some amazing pictures on there, and she was showing them to me later, and I said, wow, looks like you guys had an awesome day. This is fantastic. Everybody's happy. Everybody's smiling. You had an awesome day. She said, not exactly. She said, it was truly just the opposite. I mean, it was cold and damp, she said. It was muddy at the pumpkin patch. The pumpkin, pumpkins were overpriced. And she said, the boys fought like cats and dogs. I said, well, why are they smiling? Why are they acting happy? She said, I had to bribe them with McDonald's, that I was going to get a McDonald's on the way home. That made everybody happy, right? What Cheryl was doing was throwing a highlight reel out there, amen? And I know we're all guilty of that on some level. Some of your bridges today might have brought you to a place where you're only two steps away from being where you were before you even met Christ. I mean, think about it. Maybe you're alone one day and you're thinking, hmm, I haven't connected with that old girlfriend or that old boyfriend in a long time, that old high school or college sweetheart. You're thinking, I think I'll get on my phone or on the internet and I'll just make a connection, and you do, and all of a sudden you start flirting it up a little bit. What are you doing? All of a sudden, you've crossed over from that bridge that say, says, I'm going to honor my wife, I'm going to honor my family, I'm going to honor my kids. And you've stepped across that bridge to say, it won't hurt to go out to lunch just one time. 
I mean, you start compromising. Maybe your bridge is pornography. Pornography is such a destructive thing in this world today, even in the church today. And I'll say it's because it's so easily accessible. And it's not just a guy problem. It's a woman, uh, lady problem too. It's because it's so easily accessible. You realize we're just a few clicks away from that? We're just a few taps on our phone away from that? But I'll just tell you today, and probably most of you found out, not even on that level alone, but on all levels, you're never going to be satisfied with that or with whatever it is. You're only going to be satisfied and content with a relationship with God. I could keep going on and on, but I'm just trying to say that we as Christians spend way too much time going back and forth from the new island to the old island, from the new life to the old life, from the new nature to the old nature, back and forth. And our old nature wants to pull us back. And like I said earlier, there's a battle going on on the inside of us. There's a battle. When you become a Christian, it's not easy and it's not automatic. You have to resist that temptation to go back. But listen to me today. I believe with all of my heart that God is saying to maybe many of us in this room, if you want to be the man or woman that God has called you to be, stop going back to your old life. Amen? It's as simple as that. If you want to be all that God has called you to be, stop going back to your old life. How do you do that? Exactly like they did in Acts chapter 19, where they burnt some bridges. Paul saw men and women, which wouldn't have been easy to take millions of dollars worth of books, burn them to ensure that they'd never go back to their old way of living. I would say, to be honest, most of the bridges in our lives that we walk back over to the old life on are self-made bridges are bridges of our own choice, our own uh, choosing. That's why Paul writes in Romans, give no provision for your flesh. What's he talking about? Give no provision for your flesh. He's meaning give yourself no chance to go back to your old life. Burn those bridges. So with that said, let me ask you, what is the bridge or the bridges in your life that you need to burn that would make it possible for you to step back into action and be all that God wants you to be? What are those bridges? Are you willing to take that step? Are you willing to make that sacrifice? Because nothing is going to change unless you're willing to step out in faith and make a decision that might not be easy at all. Or are you satisfied with just continuing the same old process, going back and forth on that same old bridge? What's the thing that you need to take down in your life that will ensure you from going back to your old ways? Maybe it's a toxic relationship with somebody that you call a friend. Every time you get with that friend, all you do is gossip about everybody else, slander everybody else, and it's keeping you from being all that God wants you to be. Maybe it's an old boyfriend or a girlfriend that you've been with for a long time. And maybe deep down in your heart, you know without a doubt this isn't the person that God wants you to be with. Maybe you need to burn that bridge. Maybe it's that group of people that you hang out with that are always inviting you to go out and party. Uh, go, always invite, and every time you give in to it, you have a lot of regrets. You end up staying out a little bit too late, drinking a little bit too much. Lots of regrets. Well, you have a choice today. You have a choice in life to burn that bridge. Maybe it's as easy as something that you're consuming. Maybe something from your refrigerator. Maybe something from your pantry. Maybe it's something from your bedside table. That when you get into a hard spot in life, troubled spot in life, instead of turning to God, you turn to that. Maybe it's time to burn that bridge to the ground. Amen? Think about it. I believe with all of my heart, God isn't just saying to a few of us. He's saying to all of us.
you need to take some extreme action. You need to burn some bridges in your life and take down anything that would keep you going back to that old way of life. And start resisting that old way of life. If you want to see God work in your life the way He wants to work in your life, you're going to have to resist. Amen? You're going to have to make some God kind of choices. And there are, I'll be honest, there are some bridges that you and I can't burn on our own. And I'm not saying God's not a part of the other either. But there are some big ones. There are some bridges out there that no matter how hard we try, we're not going to get it done. You definitely need God's help. One is pride. God is totally against pride. Where, we're, where our lives are just full of me. Our lives are just full of us. We need help from God to take down that bridge. Maybe you've got an envious or lustful heart that you're always looking at what others have and you're wanting what they have and you're never satisfied with what you have. You're never content. Let me tell you, you're never going to change a heart by yourself that's not content. God's got to step in. God's got to step in and help you take down that bridge. Maybe it's a heart of anger where you're always taking it out on your family, lashing out at your wife, your kids, your, your family, your friends. God needs to step in and take those kinds of bridges down. And I'm just telling you this, and those are just a few of them. There are some bridges you and I can't take down. But God is more than willing and able to step in and help you take down those bridges. Amen? God actually wants to take down those bridges. So I would say for a follower of Christ to come to God and honestly say, God, I'm trying to throw off the old nature. I'm trying to put on the new nature. And I'm trying to burn those bridges, God. But there's some bridges that I just can't take down. If you'll get at that honest with God, I believe with all of my heart, that's a prayer that God will answer every time. That's a prayer that God delights in answering. He wants us to depend upon Him. I think some of you, including myself, have been trying to burn down some bridges, the same bridges, over and over and over and over again. And I believe God would say to everyone in this room, stop trying to do it by yourself. Stop trying to do it by yourself. Surrender it over to me. Let me step in and help you. Let me step in and do it. Let me change your heart. Let me step in and fix what you can't fix. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you've asked for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He says, everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I'm going to ask you to do something that you might think is a little bit strange, but I'm doing it on behalf of somebody that might be sitting right next to you right now that needs to know that God could help them. Maybe they need to know that this God that I've been talking about this morning cares about them, loves them, and could do something about their situation. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk about just a few topics. And if these topics apply to you, I want you to stand to your feet and bear witness of God's work in your life. And I'm going to start off with kind of a broad one, but how about addiction? Anybody in here, have you ever had God deliver you from an addiction? No matter what it is, stand to your feet, bear witness of God's goodness and His work in your life. Look at the people. Don't be bashful. Give God the glory for His deliverance today. Amen? And I want you to stay standing. I want you to stay standing. How many of you have ever forgiven someone with God's help that hurt you, wounded you deeply, that ran over you? How many of you, by God's grace and God's power, forgave someone? Maybe they didn't deserve to be forgiven, but you forgave them. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's by His power. 
by His strength. Maybe if God has saved your marriage, could you stand to your feet and give Him glory for this moment? God has saved your marriage. Maybe it's changed your complaining heart where you used to complain about everything and He gave you a thankful heart. If that's you, stand to your feet. Give God the glory for His work in your life. And this one should catch a lot of people. If He's ever helped you through a situation that you thought you would never get through, but by God's grace you got through, could you stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet, give Him the glory, give Him the praise. Hallelujah! If He's ever led you through the pain of something like a miscarriage, I want you to stand and give God the glory this morning. If He's walked your way through, walked with you through a divorce, and now He's given you the strength to forgive all those involved and to move forward, I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Give God the glory. Bear witness of His goodness in your life. We'll look around, church. Most of us are standing. And for those of you that aren't standing, that might even be struggling today, I want our witness to bear witness with your witness. I want our testimony to help you realize that God's no respecter of persons, and if He's done it for you and me, He's done it for all of us. Amen? He can do it for you, and He wants to do it for you. So right now, you need to realize that God is more than willing, God is more than able to step into your situation. But guess what He's waiting for? An invitation. God is a gentleman. God's waiting for an invitation to say, God, I need you. I need you to step into my life. I need you to step into my heart. I need you to step into my situation. With that said, those of you that are still sitting, could, could you stand to your feet? Let's stand together as we dismiss in prayer. But I believe and I ask that you would ask God to do what only He can do. Right now, I want to pray for some breakthroughs in this room. I believe some people are on the edge of a breakthrough. Maybe you're about to give up and you think it's never coming. I believe today's your day. I believe today can be your day. Maybe it's going to be next week, but don't give up. Keep trusting Jesus to do what only He can do. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, as every head's bowed, every eye closed this morning, Lord God, I lift up uh, Your name in this place. I thank You that we serve a God that is a powerful God. The name of Jesus is a name above every name. I thank You, Lord God, that You are bringing breakthroughs into the toughest situations this morning. You're setting captives free. You're bringing hope where people were hopeless and discouraged. I thank you, Lord God, that you have a work to do and that you are more than willing right now to do that work. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for saving us. I thank you, Lord God, for those that have committed their life to Christ, that you have given us a new life. You've given us a promise that we don't have to go back to the old life and live the way we used to be. We're a new creation in Christ. So this morning, Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts of every one of us. We all need to... Uh, uh, draw closer to you in, in so many different ways. I pray that you would change our hearts. I pray that you would move in our lives. I pray that you would work from the inside out. That, Lord God, you would get the glory for all that's been said today, all that's been uh, uh, put into the hearts and minds today. Do a work that only you can do. We give you thanks. We give you glory. And I thank you for the victory that is in Victory Church today but is in your church worldwide because Jesus Christ, you are on the throne today and forever to ever be praised. Amen? God bless you all. You're dismissed in His glorious name. Have a great week.